What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcasting resource dedicated to sharing these stories and telling the experiences of the sports information athletic communications profession. I ran across Dusty's name a few years ago. Maybe I was in high school. I don't remember. But if you know me well, you know that I do enjoy upstart football leagues. Uh, I enjoy just learning about the business of sport as well as the creative brands of the sport, and that's how I ran across today's guest, Dusty Sloan. He was a writer for one of these leagues, and he'll go into detail about those experiences as well as his brief hiatus from the sports communication world working at Domino's. We'll also go through just how many times you can write We Won about one team, that being the Eagles' as a women's basketball team. But before we get too far into today's episode, I just want to turn your attention to rating and reviewing. It's incredibly important to growing our community. It just takes a few seconds. I also want to personally thank the people who have done that, as well as everyone who has emailed me and DM'd me just in the past couple of days. I don't know why, what happened, but people have been reaching out to me saying that they really enjoy the show, and I really do appreciate it. Um, It means a lot to be able to hear that you're enjoying the show but uh, be sure to follow us on social media at sports infocast on twitter and facebook and if you just want to say hi you can email me anytime sportsinfocast at gmail.com guys i'll stop babbling now we can get right into today's episode of number 68 of SID cast with dusty sloan of the ashland eagles with his very first taste of sports information right here on SID cast Well, what drew me here was uh, a bit of fate, but more than likely it was a a bit of divine intervention from the uh, good Lord above. I'll kind of start from square one. I am a National University graduate, class of 99. The vast majority of my experience in the journalism slash SID field was at my local newspaper, the Ashland Times-Gazette, just up the road here. Worked there, started when I was 16 in high school, went through... uh, until I got married, and about a month after we got married, my wife got a job uh, down in Columbus, where we moved down there. Went from a big fish in a small pond to the exact opposite for a couple of years, and uh, had a little trouble finding a job. Worked at the uh, weekly newspapers down there that the Columbus Dispatch owns for a little while. Other odds and ends that we moved back to town in 2010. At that point, uh, started working for a football league called the United Football League. It's one of the many professional football leagues people probably don't remember. <laughs> but I was their chief content writer for a couple of years. And then uh, their financial troubles kind of forced me to make sure that we could make our ends meet. So after that, for the next three years, I was actually a pizza delivery driver. And uh, it was at that point that our athletic director, Al King, became the athletic director. He'd been the SID here for over 20 years. He took the uh, athletic director's job in the uh, summer of 14. He uh, needed an SID, and he asked me if I was willing to do it. At that point, when you're delivering pizzas and that's not what your field, the the field you want to be in, you decide that you're going to go for it because, obviously, with Al being here for as long as he was, I never thought that my chance to be the SID would ever come, so I jumped at the chance. Um, so I became the SID on an interim basis in uh, October of 2014, jumped in right in the middle of the school year, and uh, having to learn how to be an SID while everything, while the bullets are flying. So, <laughs> uh, so obviously that was an opportunity that I was not going to pass up and I was not going to let slip by. So I was made the full-time SID about five, six months later. Um, this past year we added um, another SID, Brennan Bittner, who also is a Ashland grad who was the SID at Quincy for five years, and uh, our titles are now Director of Athletic Communications here at Ashland, 
and this has now been three and a half years, and I would not trade a second of it. It has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, let's go back to kind of square one, as you said. Uh, had you ever heard of an SID before uh, when you were in undergrad, or, or maybe what was the first point that you heard of that kind of two-pronged question, but uh, when you first Certainly. got to a newspaper? Absolutely. I mean, I worked for Al in the SID office when I was an undergrad here. Okay. So um, I had, a, obviously, some familiarity with what they did, but to be able to go from the journalism field and being a sports writer to being a sports information director, a lot of people in town who knew me said, well, that had to be pretty easy because of the writing part, which the writing part was the easiest part of the transition. But the fact that I had to learn how to be a sports information director and to do it right off the street and to do it in the middle of a school year was not an easy thing to do. So I was learning on the fly and like I said, I wouldn't change a minute of it because I think it really forced me to learn quicker and it forced me to be a better SID in the long run. Uh, and, and you kind of mentioned that you came in the middle of the school year, and I know that you mentioned that it was a little bit taxing on you. You had to learn all these new things, and like you know, people kind of assume, and, and I'll, I'll be fair, uh, I kind of assume maybe a little bit easy transition, but you're kind of right. You're out of it for a long time, so and you had to learn about it, but how did it feel for you? I mean, what were some things you did to kind of help cope? Because there's a lot of uh, interview interviewers that I've had where they joined in the middle of school year, and uh, what are some things that you did to kind of alleviate that stress or maybe uh, learn a new skill every day or, or something along those lines? Well, ever since I've started this job, I've had to lean on my faith and um, because obviously God was the one who put me in this position in the first place, and I was going to glorify him in the way I was going to do this. So I was going to work my tail off to make sure that I was the best SID I could be. So that if that meant working late, and obviously we all know how SIDs are, you have to work during the day, you have to work at night, you have to work weekends. Well, I wasn't going to pass that up. And that's one of the things besides the writing part of it, which was second nature to me, was working at a local newspaper in the sports department, you did the exact same thing. You worked crazy hours and different hours. So the, from that standpoint, I didn't have to do a whole lot of adjusting, but I had to learn, I had to relearn how to run an office. I had to relearn how to hire people. I had to learn stat crew for all the various sports we had to do. I had to learn how to run a football press box and learn how to run a basketball media table and all that kind of stuff. So it was a harrowing process. But again, I wouldn't change a second of it because it's made me, as hopefully, people think as good as I am right now. So, uh, not to be a dead horse, but the first time you sat down at your office, what was the first thing you did? <laughs> well, the first thing I set, did was think, "Boy, this office is small," because they gave <laughs> me the uh, the office that now is our printing room. It was a very small office for my first six months. We've now since I've since moved two offices. Now we're up in the second floor of our gym complex and brand new offices that they just made for our athletic communication staff. So I'm definitely moving on up in the last three and a half years. But the first thing I thought of was, okay, well, I got to prioritize. I got to know exactly what I need to do, when to do it, how to do it. And one of the hard lessons I learned immediately, because again, I got in late October. So it was right in that transitions period where you're getting at the end of the fall and starting into the winter was one of the first men's basketball games we had at home against Grand Valley, went four overtimes. <laughs> and I had just started doing stat crew and didn't realize till the game was over that I had the minutes screwed up because we didn't reset the lineups after every overtime. Mm -hmm. 
So that was one of the things that you learn on the fly. Right, yeah. That was a hard lesson at that point. Now, obviously, it's second nature. But uh, that's one of the first things I'll remember is, A, we screwed the minutes up. But, B, we also won on a buzzer beater, which we got on ESPN. So it was a good and bad experience that night. Uh, you kind of mentioned we talked a little bit off air. Um, the way that I kind of found your name. Uh, several years ago, I had to. I think I was in senior in high school because they were doing what the concepts for the A11 FL. Like people were yes. coming up with uniforms. I was drawing my own in my own notebook in, in high school instead of paying attention in class. But uh, I was doing that. Yeah. So I saw your name come up, and you kind of mentioned offshoot football leagues, and you mentioned the UFL. Um, I found you in the A11 FL, and you told me off air how you got it got those positions, but can you kind of detail for us, maybe people that don't know, uh, how you got involved with those pro football leagues? Absolutely. When we moved down to Columbus after I'd worked at the Times-Gazette, I was bound and determined to make sure that my skills were still sharp for the next opportunity. And I found a who has become a great friend of mine. His name is Nation Han, and he was uh, he lives down in North Carolina, and he had started UFL Access, which was a kind of a news aggregator and a um, message board for the UFL. And the league had taken notice of what he was doing, and then they brought him on in an official capacity for the second season in 2010. And then shortly thereafter, when we moved back to Ashland in the summer of 2010, he put me on as a the chief content writer. And there's a funny story about that, too. They had actually hired maybe five or six different people to be kind of writer stringers for the league at first, and I had set myself apart in that shorter period of time of how quickly I would write a release and how clean it was with AP style that quickly they realized, well, we're just going to have him do everything. So it, it was a fantastic experience for two years. It was fun to work for a professional football league, which had always been a goal of mine. You get to work from home and call people like Dennis Green and Jim Fossil and Marty Schottenheimer, and you're going to Omaha, Nebraska, and you're, and you're seeing a sold-out Rosenblatt Stadium to watch a football team play. It was a fantastic experience. Now, the problem with it was they had money issues, yeah. and I would rarely get my paycheck on time. And as, as of this day, six years, seven years after I worked for them, I still owe me money. So it's a situation where being a content or a uh, independent contractor, it was a great experience for me, and it helped me grow. But it's still, to this day, one of those things that – it could have ended up better, but I do have still have a fondness for the UFL. I made great friends from it that I still have to this day, and I'm planning on writing a couple books about it, it kind of detailing everything that happened in it. So overall, I have a great fondness for it, but it could have ended up better. Yeah, it's kind of like the it was the Mountain Lions kind of had like a lockout or something like that because they didn't get their whole entire like the whole team didn't get paid or something like that. I, I don't. Oh, that happened on a regular basis. There would be people that would just leave the team and wouldn't come back. And that's when the league finally had to say enough was enough halfway through the 2012 season was, hey, we just do not have the liquidity to do this. We've got to shut it down. And that's when they finally gave it up. They played four seasons and a grand total of 53 games. So you can tell that they had a lot of problems starting when they finished. Uh, how'd you, how about the uh, A11FL, maybe the new USFL? After the, after the UFL, as I started delivering pizzas here in town, trying, again, to keep my skills sharp for that next opportunity, I would find anybody that would uh, be interested in having my services for any league that pop up. So, yes, I, I was involved in the new USFL for a couple months, and then that fell through. Then I worked for the A11FL in the same capacity, and that fell through. In every instance, you've learned that 
you've got to make sure that you can keep your skills sharp because that chance is going to happen. And fortunately, God was able to provide that opportunity here at Ashland University. Uh, what did you think of these leagues when they first started? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm always idealistic. I always think that someone's going to eventually build a better mousetrap and that each time it came along, that could be the case. And the UFL was awfully close. If they would have simply been able to get more investors and people with more liquidity, we still have it right now. The, the quality of play and the, and the quality of people involved in it was not the issue. Most of the time when you talk about any startup league, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, whatever, the, the problem ends up being money. And that was the problem with every instance that I was able to work through. But the nice thing about it was it was able to keep me in the loop, honing my right, skills yeah. as a writer, and particularly in the UFL, being a SID-type person because I would be there in an official capacity on site, working with the media and that kind of thing. So all of that stuff really prepared me for what I'm doing right now. Uh, before we move on, let's have, let's have a fun question here. So if you were restarting your own football league and you've been involved in three upstarts, how would, how would you do it? Well, heck, I'd make sure I had a couple hundred million dollars first before I told anybody about it. That's the yeah. problem that most people do do have is they get ahead of themselves and announce they're doing this, and yet they don't have the ability to back it up. I think if anybody's looked at the new XFL that Vince McMahon's trying to restart, everybody knows that at least he has at least a hundred million dollars up front. That's going to get him at least started in a lot of the way there. So a lot of people may not like how he's doing it or just say it's going to flop like the last one but at least he's got the initial liquidity to make it go uh let's talk about you delivering pizzas i know you said you, you were involved in these and props to you for wanting to kind of keep your skills sharp like you said so you delivered pizzas uh how did it feel for you to kind of have to step away from the newspaper maybe some uh, sort of sid ish type of role and have to be delivering pizzas well, first of all, I had to get my mind right. I had to basically humble myself and say, this is the opportunity the Lord's given me. I've got to make sure that my wife and I are okay financially for when that next opportunity comes. Because at the point that we were delivering pieces, because my wife, Mandy, and I worked at Domino's together for quite a bit of that time. But uh, we were still living in my parents' basement. We were trying to get out and restart, basically restart being able to live on our own. And you have to do what you got to do. And I tell people, and I did my testimony last year with our uh, FCA, and I've done interviews with like our uh, journalism classes and things like that. And I basically tell them that life doesn't go through a, on, on a straight line. Uh, I, I like to call myself the Kurt Warner of SIDs. He had to uh, work at High V before he got to be a quarterback. Well, I had to work at Domino's before my chance to be an SID. So you just got to, I had to humble myself. I had to dig down and say, all right. This isn't what I want to do. I don't know how long I'm going to have to do it, but eventually my shot's going to come, and I was right, and that was the promise I believe that God gave me, and he delivered. And you're right. No he, pun intended. He, yeah. <laughs> you're right. He absolutely delivered for you, but, you know, as, as the kind of years went on, I mean, were, were you worried at all? I, I was a little concerned that my shot would never come simply because, I mean, that's an active position, yeah. and as you get to be 40, 50, 60 years old, there aren't a lot of those delivering pizzas. So I was a little concerned that uh, at some point this was I was going to have to come up with something else, and luckily the dominoes kind of fell here, no pun intended again, uh, here at Ashton University, that uh, I was able to get that chance, and once I got it, I was going to take a stranglehold, and I wasn't going to give it up. And you kind of briefly detailed uh, how you got the job at Ashland, but I want to know, like, how does it feel to be an Ashland? Excuse me. How does it feel to be an Ashland grad and come back, 
as well as kind of maybe the job process or maybe the interviewing process even? Uh, it, it's been fantastic. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else, to be perfectly honest. This is everybody that sees me in a basketball game sees me with a smile on my face. They know this is this fits me like a glove. Um, we did a lot of praying, my wife and I, as that process went by, because there were certain things that had to fall in line here at the university to uh, make that happen. And as soon as it was able to work, I was going to hit the ground running and make sure that I was able to learn as much stuff as I could to make sure that I was going to be the best SID that I could be. And now we're sitting here three and a half months later. Uh, we won a national championship in women's basketball. I've gone through that process of being on the road with our women's basketball teams, our football teams, our baseball teams in postseason, hosting conference tournaments, hosting regional tournaments. And it's just been an absolute blast right from the top, like I said, with Al King being our, our AD being able to lean on him and ask him questions. There aren't, luckily, as the years go by, I have to ask him less and less questions because now I've done it. But you go all the way from there, all the way to our coaches and our staff and our, our student-athletes are top-notch. I mean, you just, you just want to root for these kids, not only on the field of play, but obviously as they go forward and after they graduate. So Ashton University is my home. Ashton, Ohio is my home. And uh, I don't see myself leaving anytime soon unless – Somebody backs the Brinks truck up, I suppose, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. So, um, before we start talking about some of some of the athletes that you have, uh, you mentioned, and we kind of did the same thing years ago: sports information title to athletic communications title. What was the reason behind doing that? I think the reason behind that was, like I said, we uh, we hired our other director of athletic communications, Brendan Bittner from Quincy. So there's two of us now. There's so much more to the job than it used to be. It's not simply press releases and um, media guides, which we don't do anymore, but you have to do – it's not simply you, – you've got to know – and that's one of the things I learned immediately when I first got here. It's you've got to value the social media. You've got to value the video. You've got to value the ability to get the information out to your fans, to the media in a number of different ways. It's not simply seeing a release up on a website. So I think when you talk about – everything in concert and getting everything in sync that's where the athletic communications part of it comes in it's, it's really moved past the old days of hey let's get a press release out and fax it or mail it or however else they used to do it to this all-encompassing we've got to make sure we're on the same page in a variety of different ways uh and you were in newspaper for, for a long time, like you mentioned, you kind of detailed some of the differences that you, that you saw, maybe how the job's evolving, but I want to know, how, how is it to kind of tailor to the media? You were in the media for a long time, I mean, how does that kind of help out, basically how you help them out? Yeah, it's a very interesting dichotomy because some of the people that I'm working with now on the other side were the people who were my workers at the Times-Gazette, so it's really been an interesting transition for me but it also tells me how what their needs are and how I can help them but it also tells me hey I gotta keep that distance right because I'm working for AU and yeah I know you guys but we're gonna make sure you get what you need but still make sure that we keep that professional distance so it was, it's been great to reconnect with those people at the newspaper and I have a lot of fondness for the people there, and I get them the information, and they do a good job of 
working with us in tandem to get the make sure we get those releases out. Make sure that when there's ticket information that they get it out in a timely fa- or manner and that kind of thing. Um, but it has been different. I will say that when the first time they ran one of my releases in the paper and they put my byline on it, and it was the first time in maybe eight or nine years my name was in the paper, that was a little surreal. I will say that. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Um, let's talk about some of uh, what's going around, what's going on around Ashland. And for anybody who doesn't know, Ashland's a powerhouse in women's basketball. So, uh, how many ways? And I kind of posed this to you before we started, Dusty. But how many ways can you write "We Won"? <laughs> it is a challenge. I will say that. And I know that uh, Al, from time to time, will come and say, "But you're just basically cutting and pasting and be releases," which I try not to do. Yeah. But um, you, you have to you have to try to make the headlines different. You have to try to make the leads different. Sometimes I just go with the straight leads. Sometimes I go back to my newspaper days and do the teaser lead. That's always something in your bag of tricks that you can use. But I mean, when you're talking about all these win streaks and all these awards and all these stats and everything, you can get caught up in doing the same thing over and over again, which I try not to do. So it's a challenge, but as like we like to say in Ashland, it's a good problem to have. When we when we talk about hosting this and having to go to that and all that other stuff, we just keep reminding ourselves it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Speaking of hosting, uh, USI. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, women's basketball might be coming up to Ashland uh, here very soon. Maybe even the time of this. Air day. So, um, but let's see. So you kind of mentioned that you don't want to fall in kind of a cycle, maybe a rhythm with how your releases are done, maybe how you tailor, uh, how you cover that team. So how do you personally kind of break out of that? And how do you catch it? Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Absolutely. And the, and the funny thing is my wife will catch me doing that too because she, she I've taught her quite a bit in journalism, so she will – write a release and say uh you're starting your lead or you're starting your stories the same way a lot and then that kind of gets me and sometimes you need that reminder because we are so busy doing what we do that sometimes we don't have time to step back and catch ourselves doing that so sometimes it would take maybe my wife reading that release and saying hey switch this up the next time or al saying it or brennan saying it or our graduate assistant kyle saying it it's always good to have that base to say hey don't get too caught up in a rut here. We've got something great going here. Make sure that you're mixing it up a little bit. So that's always a help. Uh, what about kind of cover, maybe some national coverage of the team? Um, how do you kind of facilitate those roles? Well, that's one of the things I've definitely had to learn in this role in the last three and a half years. And obviously with the team, the women's basketball team doing as well as it is, it, they kind of come to you more than I have to go to them so um, that part of it's a little easier but I did have to learn how to pitch because I'd never had to do that before so the last couple of years have been a learning experience that way I've got uh, connections now with Cleveland Columbus um, into ESPN and the Associated Press those kind of places with uh, we have an alum that's the the uh, lead anchor headline news so we've had them on there a couple times so as you develop those resources, it does get a lot easier to pitch, and uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to do that because you want to shed the best possible light on your alma mater, and when you have teams that have won 65 games in a row or whatever it may be at the time, and they represent the university as well as they do, that makes my job a lot easier. Uh, for maybe somebody, and this is going to be kind of a broad question, but maybe somebody that um, their team all of a sudden goes on a run, goes on a streak maybe, uh, all of a sudden they have national coverage, national attention. How, how would you suggest that they kind of adjust to that? 
Well, uh, the main thing that you have to do is make sure that you don't get too excited about it because you've got to keep yourself grounded. You've got to make sure that you do your job. You can't you can get excited for maybe 10 seconds and say, oh, ESPN just called, or ooh, we got our highlight on the top 10 plays. And at the same time, you've got to get yourself readjusted back and keep doing your job. And the other nice thing is that, with the, let's say with the women's basketball team, they're used to the attention now, and they've been through it so much that it doesn't really phase them that much because you want to make sure that they get the attention they deserve and the university gets the attention it deserves, but you also don't want to get in the way of the team's preparation for what they're trying to do. And I think we've been able to put a pretty good balance on that. Uh, how about training your athletes for maybe some of those interviews or, or things like that, maybe even speaking to the media? How did you do it? That's one of the things that we've been talking about that we probably need to do a better job with, and I think what we're going to come up with is maybe – uh, not necessarily a seminar, but we, but uh, Al and our uh, compliance director, assi- uh, assi- assistant athletic director, Adam Bracken, they do meetings with all of our teams in the September and August okay, when yeah. they get here to talk about the student handbook and things like that. And that might be something that we decide to do is maybe have us come into those meetings to talk to the teams and kind of lay the ground rules because we do have a social media policy for our student athletes but it's it's something that probably talking to the media we never really have much of an issue with um our student athletes going beyond what they should say but it's never hurt to it doesn't really hurt to have that reminder that may be something what we do in the future uh so you got one team that that's on the pinnacle maybe cream of the crop as far as women's basketball goes but what about your other sports how do you kind of keep that coverage at a level playing field so as so that nobody says Hey, you're treating them with a little bit more attention. Hey, you're treating them with a little bit more attention, or, or and you're not treating us fairly. I mean, how how do you kind of balance that? It's always a hard thing to do, and it it's something that you're always aware of, and you try to make sure that you're on top of that. Now, again, anybody can complain about anything at any time because yeah. that's just human nature. But the nice thing about our setup now is. Now that we have two directors of athletic communications and a graduate assistant, we're able to split the sports up and give them more attention. So knock on wood, we haven't had that many issues that way. Now it also helps that a lot of the teams are winning. We had a football team that tied its record for most wins in the season this year, got to the second round of the playoffs. We've got a men's basketball team that's gone to the GLIAC tournament now for four years in a row. We have a uh, track program who was perennially one of the top in Division Two, and we can go on and on and on. Baseball's had a lot of success over the years. Softball's had a lot of success over the years. So when you have that overarching success in the athletic program, everybody feels that everybody feels a part of it. So you're you're always going to have those times when people are going to feel like they may not have gotten as much as they would like, but. The great part about being here at Ashton University is we're pulling the rope all in the same direction. So I have been extremely fortunate that since I've come in the last three and a half years, we really haven't had a whole lot of that yet. Uh, last question before we kind of, I guess, last question before we have to kind of move on. Um, and you kind of mentioned it, and this is something that we haven't really ever talked about on, on any of these episodes, but you, you got some help in your office. You got an assistant taken from the GLVC, and then you got a GA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... How do you split up sports? I mean, how do you kind of divide up that sort of responsibility as to say maybe I don't want to overload the GA or, or maybe things like that? 
Certainly. And, and, and it, it was interesting, I think, for the transition for both of us because I had never known anything other than just being the SID by myself. Brennan had always been the SID by himself. But luckily, when we got together, when he first got here, and we said, well, we've got to split this up, and we have our favorites. Everybody has their favorite sports, but everybody likes the athletic director, athletic department as a whole. So, but luckily, we never had any issues sitting or tug of war saying, hey, I want this sport, hey, I want that sport. But we also wanted to make sure that our graduate assistant – got one of the or some of the top other sports so he gets his opportunity to write and and be social media and that kind of thing for a winning team so we we struck that balance of all right we got to make sure that we have enough sports give him enough so that he is able to develop so i think that we've been able to achieve that pretty good balance the first year here uh so maybe somebody just got an uh proof for a ga maybe an intern position so how would you say to them that to give them responsibility, how much responsibility would you suggest that they give to those new positions? Well, that's that's another thing as far as balance goes because you know full well that you get them for two years. The first year is kind of a transition period, but you also want to make sure that you're not necessarily babying them. You want to yeah. get them in, get them acclimated to how we do things, and get them going on the right path. So in two years, they're able to get a great job. So. You strike that balance that first year. It's like, all right, am I am I filling his head with too much? Am I giving them too much with stat crew? Am I giving them too much with writing? Are they? Is it too much with social media? But the fun, but the great thing about having a graduate assistant is, and I've seen it now twice with my GA that I had when I first came in, and now who we've had the last two years, Kyle Condor. You see that light come on between the first year and the second year. And that, and that transition and that fast pace, and, and it just puts a smile on your face because you know that you're doing all the right things in year one, and now they're getting it in year two, and they're going on to bigger and better things. And, that, and that's a source of pride for me because now, now I've got two branches on my SID tree and looking forward to more in the future. Uh, I'd like to change this as part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. Uh, first one I have for you, Dusty, is a uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure. Boy, uh, that's... Uh, It'd probably have to be the women's basketball national championship. I've had a lot of fun things that happened. There were a lot of things that went well at uh, the Times Gazette. Um, obviously, like I said, when I worked at the UFL, being able to talk to so many well-known coaches and players and things like that. But when you get to see your alma mater win a national championship, that's a pretty cool thing. And be able to do it last year, we were lucky enough that the Elite Eight was in Columbus. It's only an hour and 15 minutes away from Ashland, and they had a 2000 seat in Ohio Dominican, and I'm not lying when I say 100 of them probably are fans. But we, we, we did, they actually to the point where in the championship game they were uh, turning hundreds of people away. That, that's how much fan support we had. So to be able to see just that combination of an undefeated season, first time that anybody had ever gone 37 and 0 in D2 women's basketball, most points ever scored at D2 basketball season. And to see that celebration of it, 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 it was just, uh, it's something I'll never forget. That was a week where I think not only the university got a lot of attention out of it, the team obviously got a lot out of it, but I think that I grew on uh, quite a bit as an SID that during that week because that was really my first time experiencing something like that, and I and I was told that it went well, so I'll just I'll just go off of that and say it went well and hope that if it happens again this year, it'll go just as well. Uh, what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Wow. Um, 
That's that's an interesting question. Um, there's there's always something that you feel that you can do better. Um, I, I I will say this: my horror story might go all the way back to high school. Um, a lot of people wouldn't get this, but the first year um, I took journalism one my freshman year in high school and got a D minus. So people wonder, well, how in the world? Why why, why why did you go into J two if you did that? Well, I did, and the rest they say is history. But yeah, getting a D minus in J one was an inauspicious start, I would say. Uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? The biggest piece of advice that I would say is you have to be all in. You have to be all in because there's going to be nights, there's going to be weekends, there's going to be people emailing you at 1130 at night wanting something, and you've got to be all in. If you are not completely invested in the position you have and the school you're working for, it's just not going to work. It's, it's just the nature of the beast. And I've seen a lot of people get out of not only being SIDs or directors of athletic communications, but also newspapers, people that I work with have gotten out of newspapers because when you're trying to have the balance, the work-life balance, you can't do that being an SID. And I think everybody understands that. But if you've got I, – I am extremely fortunate in that my wife, Mandy – went through this originally with me when we were first going out and I had those hours of the newspaper. So she understood going into this position what it was going to take for me to be successful. And that helps a lot. If you've got that wife or husband you know, or whatever the case may be who understands the job description and, the, and what it needs, takes to be a great one, that certainly helps the cause. Uh, what makes a good SID? Passion. Um, attention to detail, um, obviously the work ethic, and the one thing that I have stressed and my graduate assistant has told me, the one thing he might have learned more than anything from me is time management because you have to have great time management. I feel like even though I kind of came in behind the eight ball, not ever done it, having done it in the middle of a school year, I feel yeah. like in three and a half years I've never really been behind. And if you've never been behind, then you can't be behind. So I've been very fortunate in that regard that I've got my planner, I've done it now for a while, and I can keep myself focused and ahead so that whenever something happens, if, if a media member needs something, if something pops up, heaven forbid there's a tragedy of some kind that you've got to jump and do something on, that you're ready for that. So the time management is certainly part of that where you've got to make sure that you are focused, ready for the day. You've got your planner, but knowing full well, as you know and as every SID knows, something's going to pop up, whether it's one thing or eight things, and you've got to be ready for when that happens. Uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Uh, kind, of, kind of taking my role in the athletic department and kind of growing it across campus. I know that Al does a great job of getting us on committees all of us in athletic administration, we're on different committees across campus. For me, I'm on the Internet Technology Committee, so we talk about various things on campus to make sure that that's kind of better for the, stu for the student experience and that kind of thing. So some of us are on Title IX committees. Some of us are on other things across campus. And that's one of the things I really wanted to accomplish by getting this job is not only glorifying God and doing the best thing I can do for the athletic department, but also helping the 
campus as a whole because this place is very special to me and if I can do whatever I can do to help it grow and to keep it as a beacon of top schools, private schools in this country, then I'm gonna, then I'm going to do it because this is a fantastic campus with great leadership. Uh, work life balance. What do you do to have fun? Uh, <laughs> the same thing I do at work. Um, <laughs> there's a re- there's a reason the uh, my license plates on my car say stat guy. Um, I, I I love sports. I I always have and. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be writing books about the league I used to work for, and I'm looking forward to starting that process here probably after the uh, women's basketball run. We've got uh, great baseball, softball, golf coming up in the spring, and then we've got that uh, summer situation where you're just working 9 to 5 or, or 7.30 to 4, whatever the case may be, Monday through Friday. gives me a little bit more time to do that stuff. I know it sounds a little weird for somebody who does it all day then comes home and does the exact same thing, which is probably why I haven't – started it yet but I'm, yeah. that's my goal is to get on that and uh really dig my uh sink my teeth into it let's say what, what are you gonna title it that's a good question uh <laughs> I, I need to come up with a clever headline the, for the, the I, I know what my lead of my book's gonna be the, the first play was a kickoff and the last play was a fumble if that doesn't tell you anything i don't know what is hey, so go. uh but but I'll I'll work on that over the summer i think yeah i'm, I'm completely on board with you i've got a my goal is 80,000 words. I'm at 60,000 words. I plan to have it done by the end of March. So we both have, might have a book here in the next couple of years. You never know. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, oh, my God, you're right. I don't recommend doing that in the middle of the season. No. It, 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 uh, it's taken me a year now to do it. But um, anyway, uh, next time someone's in Ashland, and for a couple of lucky teams, a couple of lucky SIDs, they kind of have to go to Ashland here, here in a little bit, don't they? Um Yep. So, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh my goodness! Well, I don't drink, so I'll do the I'll do the restaurant recommendation. We have some very, very good restaurants in this town. I would say uh, if you're looking for something that isn't a chain necessarily, we do have uh, O'Brien's Pub, which is a very good local establishment that has good food. Um, we we kind of joke in this town that you can't swing a dead cat here without hitting a pizza place. So, <laughs> we've got plenty of those if you if you like pizza. Um, when we have the usual stuff, you know, you got the Buffalo Wild Wings, you got the McDonald's, the, the, all the fast food type places. We just got a Chipotle, which everybody's excited about. I, that's one of my favorites. So, uh, you, you really, I know a lot of people on campus, the students kind of complain that there isn't a lot to do in Ashland and that might may or may not be true. Yeah. But if you, if you're looking for a good meal, you don't have to go very far. Awesome. And if anybody had any uh, questions for you, maybe they want to follow up with you, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, emails on the website dsloan2 at ashland.edu i'm always available i always have my phone with my email i like to respond to people as quickly as possible it's one of my calling cards i don't like to keep people waiting very long uh facebook i've got a facebook just look for my name i'm there um hopefully you've got a uh, person in common friend in comics i normally don't accept if you don't um uh, twitter handle dusty sloan a-u-s-i-d we can be we can uh, go back and forth there, but I'm always willing to converse with anybody who wants to know more about the field, anybody that has a question or two, and uh, look forward to hopefully hearing to some from some people here down the line. Awesome. Dusty, thank you very much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Guys, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Next week we are off, however. 
I do have to get caught up with some uh, schoolwork and uh, just work stuff in general before I can move on any further with any episode. Uh, that's just a personal assertion of mine. We do have an all-star lineup afterwards, starting with Jarek Wolcott of the Carroll College Saints. That's in Montana, a state that we haven't been able to talk to anybody from yet. So, But uh, be sure to leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media at SportsInfoCast. I want to thank you all for listening. Hope to catch you all in the next episode.